Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. So there was a situation I had a number of years ago when I was traveling around uh, the countries of Jordan and Israel that I want to share with you in a moment around the nature of movement, of not being settled as a church to just be a monument to things past, but to continue to embrace the movement of God's Spirit. And that's what I want to speak to you about this morning. In a few moments, we're going to be over in the, in the Gospel of Mark. So if you've got a Bible handy, you might want to, or your device, you might want to turn to Mark chapter 2. But we know the difference between movements and monuments, don't we? Have a look at the screen, I think. There we go. Okay, what's that monument? What is it? The Sphinx, yeah? We've seen the Sphinx, yes? Okay, next, the next monument. Anybody know what that is? It's the Australian War Memorial. Okay? That's a, a monument to Australians who have died in battle um, since, basically since Federation. Okay, the next one. Anybody wouldn't know what that is? Arc de Triomphe in France. The most hectic roundabout in the world, says Jamie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's the Arc de Triomphe, and that's a monument to French soldiers who, again, have died in combat. But compare those to these. Okay, what's... Anybody know what that is, just out of interest? Now, this, is, this might date some people. Uh, no, not Watergate. No, close, so very close. This is actually protests in Washington, D.C. with the Vietnam War. This is how many people were gathering to protest... Uh, with, a, with a peace movement uh, in, uh, in the Vietnam War toward, uh, that would have been, I think, uh, late 60s, early 70s. Okay, next one. This is a bit closer to home. We know what this is, don't we? What sort of protest? What movement? Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Lives Matter. So you would recall when, uh, when George Floyd is killed that it, be, it was the, the ignition point, really, for a, a movement uh, around to try to stop uh, systemic racism. Um, in many respects kind of connected in with the 1960s civil rights movement. Um, okay, the last one, more, in more recent, which one's this? Yeah, the Me Too movement, okay? Me Too movement, fighting against sexual assault and rape culture that tends to increasingly exist, it would seem, within, particularly within Western cultures. These are not monuments, these are movements. Monuments tend to be uh, predictable. They tend to often look nice. They're fairly clean, they're static, but movements are very different. Movements are dynamic. And I loved it this morning when you guys are hosting, you said, oh, it's kind of messy. Messy is one of the characteristics of movements. Movements don't tend to be all nice and kind of tied up with a bow. They tend to be fairly hectic sometimes, fairly dynamic, fairly messy, but they catalyze change. Movements catalyze change. And even before Greenhouse was planted, the sense that I had as, as Benj and myself and another, a number of others were seeking God about this church was that the sense we had is that God was inviting a Greenhouse to, be, to embrace movement rather than monument, yeah? To be part of the movement of God's spirit, kingdom movement, rather than simply being a monument to things past. I remember being there in those very early days here at Greenhouse, when we initially started to meet in Benjamin Mel's garage. And there was this little group, and some of you I can, I can still see, it was some of the crew who were there in the garage. 
and it was kind of squished in. It was pretty tight. Uh, got a little hot some, some mornings and that sort of thing. Uh, but there was this sense, now God's doing something here. There's kingdom movement that is happening in its really embryonic stages here in the garage. And I remember being there just down the road at Long Jetty um, Pub at the hotel there on launch Sunday. And this little team that had been meeting in the garage, I remember the, the Sunday before, I still remember that, being in the garage. And we said, okay, we're starting next Sunday. And we gathered together in the pub, and there were a whole lot of people that joined us in the pub. And I remember sitting there, I had a good mate of mine, Craig Stevens, who's a Salvation Army officer. And he was there representing the uh, Long Jetty Salvos. And in his pocket that day, he had a, a sizable check, actually. It was a few thousand dollars. And he said, Long Jetty Salvos, we want to bless what God is doing here because we sense that God is at work in your midst. And I remember him giving that to Benj that morning because there was this collective sense of God's at work. There's kingdom movement that is happening here. And it's awesome to be a part of. Now, yesterday, when Benj hit me up about coming along this morning, I wanted to share that, but I had this, this nudge in my spirit, and before I launch, I'm, I'm getting to the Bible, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> I do get there. Uh, I'm a good Baptist pastor. Um, before getting there, I, there was this sense I had that the last two years, it feels as though it's almost been kind of like a speed hump. You get that sense where... Pre-COVID, there was this, there was this, things were moving, things were cooking along, and then we hit COVID, and it kind of, it, it almost was speed hump, putting on a handbrake a little bit. The sense I have for Greenhouse at the moment is that there is, there is a return to demonstrable kingdom movement that's happening, and indeed that's going to be pressed into even more this year. So I'm just giving you the heads up that it does get messy, that it is unpredictable sometimes, because God's Spirit is at work. Okay, the last two years were a bit weird, were a bit funky, but God's Spirit is actually at work in and amongst this church. And in fact, right across the coast, I've got to say to you, in connections that I've got uh, in a whole lot of other churches here on the coast, God's at work here on the coast doing some stuff that is prototype, atypical, and kingdom impacting. More of that later. Okay, so... Um, going back to this revelation that I had a number of years ago in Israel, I, I was part of a team, we were touring around Jordan and Israel, we got to Israel, we're up in the north, okay, up in the Galilee region, and there's this, um, there's this city, this town really, this town up in the Galilee called Capernaum, maybe you've heard of Capernaum when you read the Gospels before, it was kind of one of the key towns that Jesus did a whole lot of his ministry in, in Capernaum. And we travel to Capernaum there, and we go in through these gates. And the very first thing that you see as you go in through the gates, it's the most epically designed, I think, church. And the reason it's epically designed, it's, it's an octagonal shape. And it, it honestly, it looks like a flying saucer. And it's suspended up high, and it's held up by eight different kind of concrete pylons. I, have I got a photo of it there? I'm not sure if I can... Yeah, there it is. Okay. So, on, it, honestly, if you look at it that way, it looks like the Millennium Falcon, for those of you who are Star Wars fans. It honestly does. But it sits on these big concrete pylons, and the reason that it's suspended is because of what's underneath. And I think I've got a photo of what's underneath as well. Okay. This is the, uh, the, the, the remains, the ruins, if you will, that they understand to be the Apostle Peter's home in Capernaum. 
Now, I won't go into detail, but there's actually pretty reasonable archaeological evidence to suggest that this was actually Peter's home, the, the disciple, the apostle Peter. And so I remember being at ground level, looking in here, this is where I took the photo from, looking in here and thinking, wow, if they're right, and there's a good chance they are, this was a place where there was like amazing God movement happening, kingdom movement happening. This, this is a place where people were getting healed. You might recall the story of Peter's mother-in-law that Jesus heals from a really bad fever. This is a place of really intimate, beautiful relationship that's happening. This is a place where Jesus was teaching and people were gathering and the Holy Spirit's at work and people are getting delivered. And this is awesome. It's so humble. It's just made out of basic black basalt. It's a really basic building. It's messy, but this, this kingdom movement that was happening here. And so I, I walk back from that, and if you go back to the previous slide, thanks, I walk back and I go up, up these stairs that are on the side. So I wander up the stairs because I wanted to have a look in the, 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 the Millennium Falcon. Um, I wanted to have a look in there and see what it was like. And so I wander up the stairs, and just as I'm about to open the door, I look, and on my left, there's this sign. And the sign says, shh. You're not allowed to talk in here. Which for me as an extrovert is like losing a limb. But um, so, so I very quietly open the door, tiptoe in. And on the inside of this church, it's amazing. Beautiful parquetry floors, just impeccable. There are these wall hangings on the sides that look amazing. And in the middle, there's this, I'm not sure if it's glass or perspex, octagonal structure and you can look down into Peter's place so I'm looking around going wow I can't say a word can't talk to anybody I'm hurting my voice <clears throat> but I eventually wandered back outside close the door again wander down the stairs and I'm standing back about 25 30 meters from both of these things this Millennium Falcon flying saucer church on top and Peter's place underneath. And God did a work on me that day, honestly. And, and as I'm looking at these things, he said, I sensed in my spirit, God's spirit saying, hey, down there, that was movement. Down below, that was, that was movement. God's spirit at work, people coming to know Christ, deep relationship, Holy Spirit at work. Up top, that's a monument. It looks good, it's pretty, it's static, it's predictable, but it's a monument. Movement, monument, monument, movement. Then I sense God's Spirit say to me, Craig, what do you want to give your life to? What do you want to give your life to? Do you just want to be into making yet another a church monument that it looks pretty on the outside and it, you know, people go, ooh, that looks nice. It's predictable, it's static, but there's no work of the Spirit going on there. It's dead. Or do you want to give your life to being part of my movement, kingdom movement, where the Spirit's at work, where people's lives are getting touched and transformed, where people are moving from darkness to life, from death to life? Do you want to give your life to, to partnering with me in the redemption of lives and of communities and of nations? What do you want to give your life to? And it was on that day when I said, Lord, I, I want to partner with you in kingdom movement.
Jamie was just highlighting before, my new role, which is uh, the official title is Associate Director for, what is it, Discipleship and Leadership Development, that's right, yeah. And, uh, and basically what it's about is helping churches to embrace movement, essentially. I've seen people become passionate followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, and growing up, particularly next-gen leaders, who would embrace the movement that God has for us. So, so, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that is all about kingdom movement. If, as I said, if you've got your Bible there, Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And I may not be a grandpa, but I do need my other reading glasses for such a time as this. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It's a story. It's a kingdom movement story. It's a story in Capernaum, the very place that I was just talking to you about. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. It may well have been actually in Peter's place that this happens. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic, so a guy that couldn't walk, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, "Uh, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praise God saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is a kingdom story. Back in, uh, if you flick across to Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it says that the time has, Jesus, Jesus says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. This, this section in Mark's gospel is really Jesus is unpacking what life looks like in the kingdom. And throughout Mark's gospel and other gospels as well, he's going to tell stories about the kingdom, he's going to perform miracles of the kingdom. And here, this really is a kingdom story that unpacks what kingdom movement looks like. And there's a few things that I want to highlight that... Uh, from this passage, this story this morning. The first one is where there is kingdom movement, the king is extending grace. We've been singing a fair bit this morning about grace. In, in verse 5 there, go back to the text again. In verse 5 there, uh, it says, when the paralytic, oh, sorry, when Jesus rather saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. You see, King Jesus has this deep desire for reconciled relationship between God the Father and people. Later on uh, in this same gospel, Jesus would say, for even the Son of Man, that's a term he used for himself, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. The, 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 the pinnacle, if you will, of Jesus' desire to see kingdom grace extended was in the cross. And what others saw as complete defeat, he says, no, 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 no. That is the vehicle by which I'm going to bring reconciliation between the Father and humanity. And it's vindicated through his resurrection because not even death can hold Jesus down. Jesus is all about extending grace. And then, and then he hands to us what, what the Bible calls this ministry of reconciliation, that part of the role of the church, in fact, a key part of the role of the church, is this ministry of reconciliation where the completed work of Jesus on the cross and through the resurrection, we now get to communicate that and to live the reality of that out wherever we are. The Apostle Paul talks about this over in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He talks about that, you know, we are, we are participants in this ministry of reconciliation. And one of the beautiful things about kingdom movement is you never know where it's going to show up. You never know when the Spirit's going to say, now, now. So, a few years ago, Carolyn and I were up on the mid-north coast. And a good friend of ours had said, look, if you're ever up around that way, there's this little winery called Villa de Esther. And he said, you've got to go there. The reds they make there are just beautiful. It's a lovely location um, and, and it'll be marvellous. So Carol and I said, well, we'll, we'll head up to, to Villa de Esther to, to check this place out. It's only a little kind of boutique winery. And so we go up there and we drive up and eventually we're on a dirt road and we drive up out of the valley where all these beautiful vines are growing and we get to the cellar door. And when we get to the cellar door, we find that we're the only ones there and we're thinking, oh, this is a bit awkward. Maybe, maybe we didn't get the hours right or something. And all of a sudden we hear this, down the hill comes this guy on a quad bike. And he's an older gentleman, uh, and we find out later he's Hungarian. And he gets, he gets to the cellar door where we are, pulls up, and then says, ah, oh, my friends, welcome to Villa d'Asta. I can't do a good Hungarian accent. Uh, it wasn't bad? Yeah, I'm not sure it was great. But he welcomes us, this gregarious Hungarian kind of grandfather type figure. Uh, and, he's a, and he looks around, and honestly, it was a gorgeous situation. We're up on the hill, there's a tree, there's a, there's a picnic bench underneath it, and then you look down the rolling hill down to the valley where the, where the vines are growing. It's just gorgeous. And he says, oh, my friends, why don't I, I grab one of my best bottles and grab some, some crackers and cheese and quince dip, and, and we'll go to the picnic bench. We'll just have a, we'll have a lovely time together. And we're going... Sounds good. <laughs> Free red wine. Um, and so, so he goes and grabs a bottle of his red, uncorks it, you know, and then he, I go to, you know, he pours a bit out and I go to grab it. And he says, no, 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 you must let it breathe first. And I'm going, seriously? That's a, that's a thing? Okay, got to let it breathe. So we're letting the wine breathe and, uh, and woofing into some, some, you know, dip and uh, quince paste and crackers and cheese and all that sort of stuff. Having a delightful time. And he says to us, in his Hungarian accent, he says, so, what do you do, what do you two do for a living? And uh, Carol and I look at each other and we said, well, we're both pastors in a church, like ministers in a, in a church. He says, oh. Um, he's, and then he says to us, um, my mother, my mother, she was Catholic, I'm, I'm not. My mother was Catholic, my wife goes to a Protestant church. Um, tell me, what's the difference between Protestants and Catholics? That's his opening question. And I'm going, oh, great. 
I've got to cover off 500 years of Reformation history. This, this is going to be awesome. You know, quick pass of wine now so I can, no. Um, and so answer that question in a completely forgettable manner. Um, but it was his next question that got me. He looked at me and he says, so why would Jesus die on the cross for me? Straight up. So why would Jesus die on the cross for me? There's kingdom movement happening kingdom movement it would appear that his wife had been sharing faith with this guy and he wanted to know why would Jesus die for a bloke like me and so Carol and I had the privilege of sharing with him about why Jesus would die for him and why Jesus rose again because we embrace kingdom movement we want to be ready whenever anybody asks want to be developing relationship with those who don't know Jesus rather than kind of hanging just in the holy huddle of church so that we're in a so that we position ourselves so that we're ready to answer so that we're ready to partner with Jesus in in kingdom movement now I'd love to be able to tell you that you know the guy dropped to his knees and gave his life to Jesus and then gave us a case of his best red that didn't happen that didn't happen but there was kingdom movement. There was some next steps being taken in this man's life as, as he came closer and closer to Jesus. And it was, it was just incredible. Okay. Um, secondly, though, where there's kingdom movement, the king cares for the whole person. Have a look at verse 9 again in the Bible passage with me. It says there, Jesus says, um, why are you thinking these things? Sorry, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So that's the, the, the forgiveness sort of stuff we've been talking about with grace. He says to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. You see, the, the, the theological uh, teachers of the law, they wanted to engage in this theological debate over this guy. And Jesus says, no, 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 it's not about that. I care for the whole person. Yes, I'm going to save his soul, if you will. Yes, I'm going to, you know, ensure that this guy's got a right relationship with God the Father, all that sort of stuff. But you know what? This guy's paralyzed. And I'm actually going to bring healing because I care about the whole person. I don't divvy off bits. I don't carve bits up that I actually really care about. Jesus cares about the whole person. And where there's kingdom movement, we do the same. We care for the whole person person there's a lady who I got to know at Narara for many years some of you will know her Jeanette her name is and um, Jeanette tells me the story of how it would have been maybe 30 years ago um, she's down the south coast and her and her husband had a little holiday place down there so she was going down to the south coast to go to the holiday place and then figured out when she got there that she hadn't bought the key and it was so late at night that she couldn't call the, the real estate agent to get a, a second one. And she said, oh, you know what? I'm just going to sleep in my car tonight. I'll just do that. And she said, tells a story. She, you know, she kind of hunkered down and, and got to sleep. But it woke up at about 2 a.m. And it was freezing cold. Like it was bitterly cold. And she's in a car kind of shaking going, oh, man, this is terrible. And as she's sitting in her car, shaking with the cold, she gets this prompting in her spirit, which was, that's how they feel every night. And the they being the homeless of the Central Coast. That's how they feel every night. And this revelation she got that night, because she's a lady who embraces kingdom movement like few people I know, the amazing lady. And uh, she, that stuck with her. And she began this conversation with God that lasted for quite some time around, okay, 
what can I do? I'm one person. What could I possibly do to care for those who are homeless on the Central Coast? And so she, uh, she gets back and she, she took it upon herself to do some cooking and to uh, get in the back of her car uh, once a week to go and to pass out food to the homeless under, I don't know if you know Gosford, but like Brian McGowan Bridge or Kibble Park where a lot of homeless people tended to gather back then. And she was feeding them out of the back of her car, out of the boot of her car, once a week. And which is great, but Jeanette's going, Lord, that's like one night a week that they're getting a decent meal in their tummy. Like, that's not enough. What can we do? Like, I'm just one person. Now, I won't go into the whole journey that Jeanette went on, but she embraced kingdom movement. Even though she felt limited and finite, God blessed that thing because her heart was inclined to him. She was wanting to partner with him in kingdom movement. What started in Jeanette's boot is now known today as Coast Shelter. Some of you would be aware of Coast Shelter, who um, are providing meals these days. The council got involved providing meals these days, lunches and dinners. Like, I think it's over 100 meals, 100 dinners every night, probably a similar number of lunches. There's a whole lot of churches that are now partnering in that. There's a whole lot of other community organisations that also partner with Coast Shelter to provide meals. There's all sorts of accommodation stuff that they can organise as well. They've handed out lots of swags over the years as well to keep people warm at night. One person, one person who was willing to care for the whole person and embrace kingdom movement. Very briefly, there's only one other point I want to make. It's only a a short one. Um, Thirdly, where there's kingdom movement, the king partners with people who, who, who will trust people who will trust him, even if it means um, unpredictability and messiness like we were talking about earlier, Jamie, even if it means, you know, things are seemingly out of our control and yet God's wanting to do something. Kingdom movement, where there's kingdom movement, the king partners with people who'll trust. In verse 5, I love verse 5, I actually find the whole passage really comedic almost, but verse 5 typifies it for me. It says there, when Jesus saw their faith, now if you look at who the there is, the there is the four blokes who are up on the roof, who dug a hole in the roof. When he saw their faith, that's when he says to the paralysed guy, you know, take out your mat. Uh, But there is this connection that Jesus has with their faith. Now the reason I find it comedic is I actually feel like these four blokes must have been Aussies, uh, honestly, because I can imagine four of my tradie mates carrying this mate of theirs on their shoulders, you know, uh, on a a stretcher, can't get in because there's all these other bozos who are there in front of him trying to hear Jesus. And they go, what do you reckon? You reckon we can go through the roof? Yeah, I reckon we can do that. And they go go through the roof. How many tradies here this morning? Any any trade? You guys would do that, wouldn't you? You'd look at the problem and you go, oh, yeah, we'll go through the roof. We can do that. Too easy. (laughs) My son's just started an apprenticeship this year and I guarantee you he'd do that. Uh, he's, he's started a building apprenticeship this year. I guarantee Nathaniel would do something like that. He'd look at the problem and go, I reckon we can go through the roof. That, that's pretty straightforward. And I, I love the scene here because Jesus is underneath. And, and it says that the, in the passage that they're cutting the hole like right above Jesus. So there's bits of dust and there's roofing tiles or whatever and straw falling down on Jesus. There's probably Peter's mum, if it's a Peter's place, Peter, Peter's mother-in-law or something, freaking out at this point going, stop cutting through my roof. I don't need sunlight uh, all it but they cut through the hole in the roof and what does jesus do jesus is covered at this point in roof stuff jesus doesn't get angry jesus goes that's it 
I see your faith. You're embracing the messiness of kingdom movement. You're not afraid of a bit of messiness. You're partnering with me. And watch this. I'm going to forgive this guy. I'm going to restore his, his capacity to walk as well. And I believe, friends, that Jesus is still looking today for people who will trust him. People who will trust him. People who will partner with him in moving out into the community rather than settling for being just another monument-style church. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Vince. Yeah. People who move out into the kingdom, uh, move out rather into the community in the name of Jesus with the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's looking for. And that's actually been the genesis of this church. That's a genesis of Greenhouse. That's what we were praying for years ago when Benjamin and I were walking the streets of Melbourne and, and God started to fire something up about this church. That's, that's what we were seeing in Benjamin Mel's garage a few years ago. That's what we were seeing down at the pub. And I believe, particularly now post-COVID, when we're getting over the speed hump a bit more, my sense, and I want you to discern on this as well, my sense that there is going to be a fresh embracing of kingdom movement. Because this is a time as a church, to be really honest, you could be tempted to just go into monument mode, hunker down, oh, we'll just kind of worry about ourselves. No, no, no. I want to encourage you guys and girls today, press into kingdom movement press into the creativity that is there the risk taking that is there the messiness that is there because i guarantee it you won't regret it i guarantee you that you will have stories that you will tell your kids and your grandkids about this is what happened when we trusted god when we embrace the messiness of movement rather than settling for a monument. Let me pray for you guys. Just want, to, just want us to have a little bit of time where we can maybe seek God privately. So I want to give you a bit of space for you to ask God, hey, what do you want to say to me today about this whole movement or monument stuff? Are there spaces and places and people that you want me to, to proactively be extending grace in? Are there, are there things that you're calling me to about caring for the whole person? Are you simply inviting me to trust you? I want to give you a bit of time just to really seek God on that one. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the spiritual heritage of this church. I thank you that this was really born out of a time of seeking you. Lord, it was born out of an embracing of movement, of partnering with your Holy Spirit in kingdom movement. And Lord, I pray that afresh, as, as Greenhouse continues to, to go into 2022 and beyond, 
that you would um, lead them and guide them to not simply be yet another monument church where the best days behind them and they're just kind of flying a holding pattern and, uh, and it's kind of insular and static and predictable. But Lord, I pray that they would embrace the work of your spirit. Lord, I pray that they would, you would give them eyes to see their local community in fresh and creative ways, ways that stretch them, ways that think much like Jeanette 30 or so years ago. How could we ever do that? Lord, that it would push them into the realm of faith rather than simply operating under their own steam. God, I want to pray for your servants, Benj and Mel, and I thank you so much for them. I pray that you would continue to stir them up. I pray that collectively as a church, we would make their ministry a joy and not a burden. And Lord, I pray that you would give us stories to be telling our kids and our grandkids about your goodness and about your your faithfulness, about your power, about how you continue to restore, how your best days are not behind you, but rather that you partner with us as we trust in you. Lord, as we are willing to give ourselves to you wholly. Lord, help us to be a people of grace. Help us to see the whole person and to be a blessing in that realm as well. Help us to be a people of trust. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.